This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. 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 On Seattle Sports. Power through the Alaska Airlines studio. Heward, not exactly Joe Cap there in the pocket. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> All right, Mike McDonald's going to join us in 30 minutes. I'm really excited to get to meet him for the first time. He aced his first press conference with the media about a week and a half ago, and I think there's a lot of local excitement both for him and Brock for his first real major hire. Certainly Leslie Frazier was a big one, but to get his offensive coordinator and Ryan Grubb and to have it be such a familiar name here in Seattle, certainly it has Seahawks fans excited. What's the level of nervousness on how much youth and inexperience you have now with a first-time coach, first-time offensive coordinator, first-time defensive coordinator, and first-time professional uh, uh, special teams coordinator? Mm -hmm. Essentially, the four top guys, other than Leslie Frazier, are all going to have had zero NFL experience in the jobs they're in. Yep, there will be a learning curve to climb. There will be. But I think we'll hear from Mike McDonald that the growth mindset, that uh, the chasing the the edges, some of these, some of these, um, you know, terms philosophically that are important to him were more important than experience, and time on task and age on the job. Uh, I I said to you I would have been very nervous hiring somebody that had never called plays before. Mm -hmm. I don't feel quite as nervous with Ryan Grubb because he's done it for the last decade. There were some people you know tweeting me like, "Hey, didn't Kalen DeBoer call the plays?" No. No, Ryan Grubb called the plays, and obviously Kalen was a good sounding board for him over the last couple seasons, but he called the plays at Fresno. He's been calling plays, what I, he does. I, I guess the, the question there is actually less to do with, with the play calling, because you're right, I know he did that. D isn't it DeBoer's offense, though, like the DeBoer designed? No, I would say the two of those guys, along the four stops that they were together, okay. had really implemented a lot of that. So no, it, maybe initially it was it was Kalen teaching Grubb some of that, but the back and forth and uh, all the experience they had, the number of times Kalen would say to me, and I just remember vividly being on the practice field and him saying, "Oh yeah, this goes back and this play," and I'd ask him about this concept. Yep, that goes back twenty years, twenty five years, thirty. Let years. Let me ask you this then. This is a dumb question, but I'll ask you anyway. If both guys were available to be your offensive coordinator, would you have preferred Grubb or DeBoer? Oh, probably DeBoer. Okay. Yeah, just because of the head coaching experience, right? Just some of some of that background at well, Fresno but yeah, I mean, and just Washington. To, just mm -hmm. to call plays and design an offense and just do the coordinating job. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be pretty pretty even, honestly. Unlike the horsepower and the and the football acumen and the yeah. IQ and all that stuff. I yeah, I think it's I think it'd be very very similar. I think just some of the poise. Now, the advantage is I say that. And I'm just kind of vomiting at the mouth before I get to my point, which is a real challenge to do, and you don't really always want to do that. Uh, the other side of that is Grubb is an O-line guy and has an O-line background in the relationship with Scott Huff, who he's also going to bring along. Mm -hmm. There's a little good cop, bad cop that they have had at you know certainly the last couple of years of Washington. Grubb is is gruff, man. He's intense. He can be pretty feisty. And then Huff is a teacher and kind of comes around an unbelievable recruiter and developer of people and talk to any of those guys and. I'm going to chat with actually Roger Rosengarten today off the air and kind of pick his brain on both Grubb 
and uh, obviously on Scott Huff and, and try to learn a little bit more, you know, ab about those relationships. But from my eye, from what I was around, mm. it sure seemed like Grubb was willing to mix it up and was going to be intense. And Huff kind of came around and, and was the one to, to build him up and to teach him and equip him. So he does bring, again, a line of scrimmage. That's his background, man. That is his baby. And I think there's an enormous advantage when you want to talk about chasing edges. I think that gives you an edge over a guy that was just a QB or a receiver or maybe comes out a little bit differently. This guy comes out of it understanding, which to me was the theme of the Super Bowl last night. Big people matter. Mm. Big people matter. And it's not necessarily your star receivers on either side, right? Oh, man, what is Mahomes going to do? So worst receiving crew he's ever had. There's no Tyreek Hill. There's no weapon. There's no buddy that just dictates coverage. And da -da 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 -da. Yeah, but he's got enough. So if big people matter, and they matter more than the guys on the outside, and elite quarterbacks matter, and not having elite receivers is not necessarily a problem, I think you can see where I'm going here. Yep. If you got the number 16 pick, are you looking at trading DK Metcalf? I mean, the one side of that tells me, Brock, that last year, as as explosive as that Husky offense was with three great wide receivers, that to come in here with the three the Seahawks have next year, if you could get you know, Tyler Lockett to renegotiate or whatever, that, mm -hmm. that that sounds pretty similar to the kind of offense that he had. But if you're telling me you need an elite franchise quarterback that next year's quarterback class is crappy mm -hmm. and that, you know, you've got a receiver that maybe you don't need, could you get a number one pick for DK? On his contract? I don't know. Or does the rest of the league say, golly, do we really need to be does spending you, this kind of money on a receiver? When, it right. could, when push comes to shove, it still comes down to pushing and shoving. It still comes down to blocking and stopping. It still comes down to impacting the there line of scrimmage. There always seems to be an NFL team excited to spend for a receiver. There's mm -hmm. always somebody out there that yep. is looking to give their quarterback a big-time weapon. And if you were choosing to go the other way, could you get something for DK that would help you with your, you know, with your cap problem, get hard, you into the first round a imagine. second time? It's hard to imagine, isn't it, that – DK, Tyler, and Jackson are all going to be on this roster next It's September. not just hard to imagine. To me, it seems like a poor look at, at how to design a team. It just I, I, I feel very strongly and have for a while. You remember the dumb thing I said before the year started that I would take Daniel Hunter over Justin Jefferson? Mm -hmm. And people are like, Salt, you're an idiot. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And you might be right. It might have been an exaggeration. Daniel Hunter? I think was more impactful to that team this year than Justin Jefferson was. He was unbelievable. Didn't he lead the league in sacks? If he didn't end up there, he was certainly there for much of the season. And he was a major factor for that team. Not that they were great, mm -hmm. but I just, I think that the wide receiver position is overrated. Not that it means zero, but I, I don't love that the Seahawks are as heavily weighted as they are yeah. on yeah. the outside like that. I don't yeah, think perimeter. that's the best way to go. Nope. And it's the same way in the secondary, right? With your safeties being the highest paid safeties in the league and, you know, very highly paid and compensated wide receivers. And yeah, I mean, it's uh, now there's the other side of it would say, hold on a second. If you don't have the guy, if you don't have a Patrick Mahomes that can elevate everybody around you, you better be pretty darn good. Mm -hmm. You better have guys that can win one-on-ones. You better have guys like Tyler that just are always open and know how to, to read the zones and got a wealth of experience and everything that he brings to the table. So, you know, the conversation goes back and forth. I will say, and I'm sorry this wasn't the lead, I am a little disappointed in you today, Salk. I Me? Am. Yeah, I am. 
What did I, I do? I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm just All right, let's go. What? We talked about this. The, the hoodie? Yes. I decided not to. Salk. I very specifically decided not to. You know why? Why? I was worried it would come across like I was mocking him. Fair. I thought about it. We did talk okay, about fair. trying that's to a good, wear a that's hoodie a good, jacket that's a good combo. Answer. That's I a thought good about it, and I said, you know what? I don't want to mock him yeah. in my first time meeting him. I don't yeah. want to be set up for failure. Yeah. So I ultimately pulled the plug. You know so I. I can live with that. Can you? I can, actually. I don't love it, but yeah, I can absolutely live with it. We could still win. We, we still don't win know him yet. Like, if I knew him, right. like, first of all, the one thing I know is that he said he had a funny story, and it wasn't funny. He he made a bunch of jokes what? at his own expense about how, like, he's got a sense of humor, sort uh-huh. of. Uh-huh. So I don't know that he would have found it funny. Yeah, probably not. So I just, I don't know the man yet. That's I got off on the wrong okay. foot with Pete 15 years ago, and I don't need to do it again. Is this what you do with, with Heather when she's upset with you? When you, and you just come back and you hit a home run? Usually. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Like, no, there's a that. reason behind why I do what I do. All right, fine. And that's why. So, sorry, didn't didn't go hoodie for uh, Coach no, McDonald's. No, I can, live, I can but, live with that. But we will be talking to him in 20 minutes. Looking forward to it. There's a million questions for him. Uh, 25 minutes will barely be enough time. So that's coming up soon. Don't go anywhere. It's Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. The first half was a little slow, it's true, but it's really difficult to complain about a football season that ends with a touchdown on the final play of the season in overtime. That was pretty cool. I love that both teams had the opportunity to possess the ball. I love the way it ended, and Patrick Mahomes doing his thing to win his third. First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! This was the Andy Reid special we talked about. He was saving all day. He's going to fake a motion to go across. And at that moment, he turns and goes back. Hartman, who they didn't have, right? And they go get Hartman and bring him back. And the game-winning drive of Mahomes' career. He's been waiting for. He's won Super Bowls, but he's never had it in an overtime. He is the best. He is the standard. Your Michael Jordan wins it again. I'm so sorry to keep thinking about criticizing Romo here every time, but do you really need that kind of explanation right away? Just let the moment be the moment. And also, Jim Nance, what a call. Jackpot in Vegas. That was great. Just let that sit. That was fantastic. You got plenty of time to talk about it. Pretty cool play, though. Is a pretty cool play. They had him wide open thanks to the bind that they put them in. 333 yards for Mahomes, another 66 on the ground. That's pretty good. Let me hear Mahomes talk about old corn dog. Cut number two here. Yeah, he went into a little detail, Saul. It's just corn dog. That's all it is. Uh, the, the call is different, but it's like the same exact motion as corn dog. And we brought it back at the right time. Coach Reza, he's a legend, man. He'll do that. Do people it's, know what corn dog is? Just, is that like something it, we've previously no, heard about? Absolutely not. Nor okay. had we ever heard of an Andy Reid special. It was called the Philly special. And no, you didn't talk about all game an Andy Reid special. <laughs> I have no idea what we're doing right now. But I, do know, but I do know the pre-snap motions and shifts and movements create leverage opportunities, and it did in the biggest moment. And, man, Mahomes, you got ice water, man. He's kind of got that Joe Montana cool, right? He's got that Joe Montana cool. Whenever it's like the biggest moment, nothing ever seems to speed him up, ever seems to really bother him. There was chaos. Guys are losing their mind. Kelsey goes, goes heel and just attacks Andy Reid and nearly knocks Humpty Dumpty over. Would have broken him into a million pieces. 
<laughs> he's got a he's got a rookie receiver that's screaming on the sidelines, and none of it. He's unflappable. None of it bothers him. And in the biggest moments, the dude once again delivers for his third Super Bowl title. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, we're going to talk to Seahawks coach Mike McDonald in 10 minutes. He made a couple of big decisions along with John Schneider this weekend. Ryan Grubb, former UW offense coordinator who spent a couple of weeks in Alabama, is now the new offense coordinator for the Seahawks. And yes, he brings along with him star offensive line coach Scott Huff. As I said earlier, I really like that the Seahawks got the guys they've wanted. He was the first name we heard about the moment that this stuff started leaking, and he ends up being the guy a couple of days later. That, to me, says that they are getting what they want and that they've got a pretty clear plan. Yeah, went through the entire process in some ways, probably mirrored the the head coaching pursuit that they knew all the way along, that when they had a chance to talk to Mike McDonald, that he was going to be pretty darn impressive, pretty overwhelming uh, with his growth mindset and everything that he wanted to do and build it and attack it. And, and Ryan Grubb in the same in the same fashion. I do. It just unfortunately brings up an ugly, ugly element of college football. That if you're going to have a transfer portal and it's going to be open for 30 more days when a coach leaves, how much of this was about the portal and making sure that, hey, Alabama's recruits wouldn't leave. And, well, you just so happened to break bread and have a couple beers at Dino's on day 31 once that was over, 32 or whatever it was. I don't want to believe that was the impetus for waiting. I want to believe they went through their entire process, but I can't help but think the messiness of college football, that that too was a part of it, is they wanted to make sure that portal closed. And so so if I understand, he's essentially helping DeBoer by not, Correct. By not going until the kids can't leave? Correct. That makes sense. Here's the third thing you need to know. Kind of seems like that's exactly what happened. I didn't even think about that. Uh, football season done. So, Brock, it's baseball season. Starts in just two days with with uh, pitchers and catchers reporting in Peoria. Position players will be right behind them. Uh, Julio Rodriguez. Now, Julio was at the game yesterday, right? Those were his pictures that he was taking. Is that right, so. Justin? I believe so. He was at the Super Bowl. That's pretty cool. So Julio saying afterwards that he just wants to feel that. Hashtag starving. Wants to feel what it's like to win. And I don't know whether this year's Mariners team is going to win the World Series. On paper, they certainly don't seem to be built quite to that level. But I do know that if Julio Rodriguez achieves his full potential, they will probably make the playoffs because that's what teams with guys like Julio tend to do. I do know that at at this exact moment, at 9.21, two weeks from now, we will have already gone through the sun coming up, Salk, and blinding our computer screens. Mm. The sun will have risen. We will be down there in Peoria. We will be hearing the spikes. We will be hearing the birds. We will be hitting, hearing the pop of the mitt with the bullpen sessions right across from us. And they'll be playing games in just a couple weeks. This happens fast. It's kind of like NFL training camp. Kind of wait, kind of wait, kind of wait. And then it's like two weeks and, oh, here's preseason game number one. So crazy how yeah. many guys still need to be signed, too. I mean, there are four or five big-name free agents out there. Hopefully some of those will get done here within the next week. That is everything you need to know. We do a quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. All right, let's set this up uh, here at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center today. Going to interview a Seahawks head coach that for the first time in 14 years is someone other than Pete Carroll. We've been doing the show together for 15, Brock. We had one year of Jim Mora, 14 years of Pete, and uh, everything changes now. This will be our first opportunity to talk to Mike McDonald. I don't know whether we'll be talking to him every week or not. I don't know how all of that works once we get into the regular season with the new coach. Mm -hmm. But this will be, in any event, our first opportunity to talk to him. 
And I'm just kind of curious to get that vibe, to get that sensation of how does he carry himself? We saw what he looked like in front of the large group in the press conference. I thought he nailed it. What will he be like here? I'm excited to find out. Yeah, what's what's he been? Ten days on the job, a couple of weeks on the job, basically. You know, since, yep, since that became uh, official, and and now you know he's put together the big chunks of his staff. I'm really glad that happened for us. Yeah. So today wouldn't have been like, okay, so tell me about you know this person. Like, nope. Now you have a pretty good feel, and we have not even really talked about his defensive coordinator. Have you heard his defensive coordinator speak? Uh, I know he's British. Oh, it's got a tremendous British accent. Really? Oh, yes, tremendous, tremendous British accent. I've got so a I little, want... a little bit of him here. Oh, let me hear that. Yeah, yeah let me hear I was it. doing this deal right at the end of my career. I started coaching the guy that coached me in the South London team. He started a new team in South London, further and Nick Cordner, so, um, right by Sellers Park. And um, what was that? I started. What's that now? <laughs> Come again. Well, that should be interesting. Well, this is exciting. <laughs> this is exciting. All right. Well, maybe he'll bring him along for interviews, and uh, we can explore the uh, the whole British thing, because that's a, that's a whole new element to the Seahawks team. Just another reason to be excited. Mike McDonald will join us next. It's Brock and Salk on Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, let's get right to it. Coach Mike McDonald with us. Brock, he showed up early. I think that uh, says something right there. He's uh, uh-huh. <laughs> he's prepared for us, which I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But, Coach, welcome to Seattle and welcome to the Brock and Salk Show. It's nice to meet you in person. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Brock, good to see you guys. Con- congratulations. And what? Uh, tell us a little bit about your first what, week and a half or so here? What It must be a whirlwind. What have you been doing for the last 10 days? <laughs> well, some people don't think it, but we have been working on our staff the whole time. <laughs> so uh, uh, we're going through the process. It's funny, we came over to the facility the first time to get introduced just before the press conference and uh, met everybody r- briefly, but then we were on the board, you know, working on staff immediately. So it, it's been, it's it's a long process, but uh, it's been a great process trying to, trying to find the right guys to, to come in here and, and coach our team. What have you learned through that process, Mike? Kind of first time you've you've been down that road. I'm sure you've you know played a role in hiring secondary coaches or some other components of a defense, but to do the whole organization, what have you kind of learned along the way? Yeah, you try to stay patient with the whole with the whole process. I mean, and there's going to be some guys that end up taking jobs other places, but like the timing doesn't work out, so you can't get frustrated with it. And uh, you know, you went in talking to John and how we wanted to, how we wanted to build this thing and. And um, there's a process behind it about how we wanted to handle it. And uh, just trying to adhere to that without getting impatient and, and making decisions that, you know, that you might not be um, what's in best interest for the team. So just trying to stick to that and, and, and trusting that it'll, it'll shape up over here over the next week or so. What drew you to Ryan Grubb? <laughs> um, been, on, you know, been on my radar watching you know, his teams perform uh, throughout the season. And uh, obviously, thinking that a you know, situation like this might come about, and then uh, getting to know him throughout the process and the type of guy he is, and you know, he's he's been a winner everywhere he's been, and I just think it speaks to his his uh, football character and things that him and Kalen have done over time. Everywhere they've gone, they've really rebuilt the culture where they've been, and, and they've won immediately. Having that type of growth mindset, being able to adapt to the players that he has in his in his scheme, and I just I disrespect about you know what his offense looks like you mentioned that growth mindset a couple of times last week and it it stood out to both of us 
what how do you judge that when you're interviewing people or talking to some of these guys how do you and for those people who don't know what a growth mindset is maybe you could even explain it because i know it's yeah. sort of a hot term in education yeah it's a little but bit i don't know that everybody word. knows what it means yeah i think you're trying to understand how people think and it's um trying to push the envelope about what they're trying to do and what trying to accomplish so people that just have the mindset of like, Hey, this was this way I've always done it. And this is the way to do it. And we're stuck on that. Like that's not appealing to me and the guys that were trying to, you know, join our organization. So, uh, I think when you look at his track record and, and the things that they've done, they're always looking to find new ways schematically and through relationships and how he operates, um, uh, to help his guys. And I just, I respected that about him. And, and a lot of, and there's a lot of great coaches out there that have that type of mindset, but, um, you're, I think it's important. Like we're, t we have a term here called like chasing edges, you know, and, and that's through all, all aspects of your program. And so those are the type of people that we need in here, you know, to have that type of mentality. What's the genesis of chasing edges? Well, um, this is something that was in Baltimore from John that he, he had mentioned a couple of times and we've, and we, him and I have had conversations with, about, uh, about, you know, the, the Baltimore program, but my mentality is take that in terms of, you know, built in, it was more schematics, Brock, you know, yeah. in Baltimore, but um, it really resonated with me about how you want to build your program. And I just think that it's so competitive in the NFL and it's so difficult to win and you win on the margins. And so if we can have the mentality here in Seattle, regardless, like even just how we operate with our PR department is, you know, video, all those types of things, how we generate information, uh, how we coach our guys, the drills that we do, messaging to the team, just every aspect of our program. If we have the mentality where we're trying to push the envelope, trying to win on the margins, I just I just think that's that's the only way to go about it. You know, to win to win in this in in the NFL. What did so you take what, away from the Super Bowl last night? By the way, were they chasing any edges <laughs> there? Was there any winning in the margins? Anything you take away from that? You know, I, shoot, I actually want to watch. The, I want. To, I can't wait to watch the tape. You know, that'll happen like three months from now on the on the, on the pace that we're at now. But um, shoot, I just i th i thought uh, i thought i thought Spags had a great game plan defensively. I was really interested to see what they did, and and San Francisco played well on defense too. But um, I'm sure there's things to come up. You know, obviously the the overtime decision and things like that. But uh, yeah, just it just it does show. I mean, it came down to the last second, right, Brock? I mean, yep. you know, and so. It just shows you. I mean, and like like the third down, the third down play that Kansas City stopped, and I think to force a field goal at the end. You know, I mean, those things are those things are obviously really important. Are you ready to make those decisions in a game? <laughs> right? You, you got to be thinking yeah, along I mean, with him now. When I mean, you the watch. short answer is, is you have to be right, but it's going to take a lot of work. You know, identifying the situations, building out a great plan throughout the off season of being able to practice them enough that we're going to have to do with two uh, coordinators as well. Um, but I think when you put yourself in those situations throughout and, and you have a great plan from now until September, you know, then when those situations come up, we're ready to go. Actually, I watched the game with John last night and I was talking through like some of the things that, that you know, my mentality and those things right, that uh, happened in real time. And, you know, it's interesting, but I think you have to have a, a philosophy going into the game and then be able to be adjustable as the game, you know, declares. Let's come, come back to the offense for a moment. I want, I want to hear a little bit more about not just Grubb, but also – what you want the offense to look like? Does it? How does it complement the defense that you've sort of had in your mind? What should we expect from that? Well, I, I, we're gonna. I want to build the offense through the same lens of how we're building, of how we built the defense, and we're gonna build it here. So, 
we have to be really, really good at the core philosophies, core fundamentals, core concepts. And then I w- we want to be able to apply those things, you know, on a game to game basis based on who we're playing. So we don't want to reinvent our offense every week. So we have to have a core identity. So what is that? Well, we're going to be a physical unit. Like we're going to, we're going to, we're going to run the football, you know, and we want to have answers for the quarterback and we want to keep it consistent for him, you know, so he can play fast and play decisive and, uh, and get the ball to our playmakers. So, I mean, I know that's kind of coach speak, but I mean, it's a, it needs to be an efficient unit. You know, we want to be able to possess the ball. We want to be able to uh, obviously be explosive and not turn the ball over. And I think that's going to come through run and play action on early downs. And then when we, when we are forced to you know drop back in those situations, having a consistency in, 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 in the, in the quarterback's reads so he can play fast and, uh, and, uh, and be decisive you know, when we have to drop back and throw the ball. Where are you on risk in, on <laughs> offense? Are you, are you willing and, and interested in taking risks for big rewards? Or are you trying to make sure your quarterback doesn't turn the ball over at all costs? Where, where do you yeah. fall on that spectrum? Yeah, I, I think you have, to be, you have to be aggressive. You have to be aggressive. And, and you do that through calculated risk. So I guess my answer is, is it's calculated for us, you know. So, but those are, those are things you just have to be measured about. I mean, you're getting to know my personality. I'm a pretty measured guy. Um, but we're not just going to be chucking the ball over the yard every, every down. That's not the way to win in the NFL. I mean, you, you guys saw it last night. Like, you got to be able to run the ball, and you got to be able to protect it, you know. So, um, you know, but there's going to be opportunities to throw the football down the field and, and, and get the ball in the perimeter. I mean, obviously those, those things are imperative, you know, to win, to win in this league as well. Are you more of a finance guy or management guy? <laughs> Neither. <laughs> Neither. I mean, well, Sigma cum laude in finance. I mean, I see that in the in the background. I've also heard, you know, some of the master's degree in management. Those oh, things come in into play. Man. Yeah, I think you know, Brock. I I, uh, I I think the finance thing is more of a problem solving type <laughs> type mentality. You know, I think that's really what finance is, right? It's just putting numbers behind it. Um, definitely not accounting. No offense to those folks, but it's just. <laughs> I that I hated that class, man. That was tough, you know. That was my that was uh that was tough. But I, through through finance, it was more like how do you how do you figure out how to get stuff done, but through numbers. Mm-hmm. And so that that was more of my mentality. And then management, I, I I prefer the term leadership, you know, in terms of bringing people together. Um, so you know, uh, it's been a long time since I was in those finance classes. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's interesting you bring that up because I think of Ryan Grubb and I called a bunch of his games over the last couple of years and been out on the practice field. To me, that is what comes across. People will look at the raw numbers, Mike, and say, oh, my gosh, Mike McDonald hired a guy that throws the ball 61% of the time. Last two years of Washington, he chucks it six out of ten times. How is he going to balance all of this out? But when I look at his system, pre-snap motion, shifts, movements, getting, getting to answers, as you said, for the quarterback, I guess, um, what was some of the greatest appeal with his system in particular? Well, to, you know, to your point with the numbers, I mean, yeah, initially you look at the, the pass stats, you're like, man, they're chucking it all over the yard, to your point. But they do, they've been able to possess the ball and, um, and be efficient in how they operate. And I think, I think that's also reflective of the, of the roster that they had in Washington and be accentuate the guys that they had and, and the talent that they had. So you, that speaks to adaptability and his flexibility and how he calls it. But Ryan, I mean, uh, Ryan's an O-line guy at heart, you know, and uh, I really respect that about him. And there's a lot of great play callers in this league, you know, they got you know, they really have a, a core identity through the offensive line. So, um, and I think their run, like you look at the run numbers, they're also very efficient running the football. And so we're definitely going to be, that's going to be our one of our core identities, being able to run the ball and, and um, 
and it's not and, and have multiple runs. You know, have different ways to attack offenses through the run game, and uh, and those are conversations that him and I have had. And and as we build this thing out, then um, you know, I'm sure that uh, it, it'll it'll look a little bit different than it did in Washington. But like to your point, a lot of the motions, the pre-snap shifts, you know, that, that gives defensive fits and it gives quarterback answers. And to me, that's uh, that's good for us. <laughs> Talking to Coach Mike McDonald, new Seahawks head coach. Along those lines, what does your ideal quarterback look like? What hmm. qualities does he possess? Yeah, the court. Yeah, there's quarterbacks come in all different shapes and sizes. <laughs> but to me, can you can you make people around you better? And can you bring people together? And are they are they going to go play for you? I mean, in terms of anticipation, and accuracy, and things like that, and playing on time, playing with anticipation. Um, being able to see the, you know, being able to have great vision of the field and see it. I mean, those things are obviously incredibly important, but at its core, it's, Hey, can we bring, can we bring the team together and, and, will, and will the guys follow you when you go fight on Sundays? And um, th- that's, that's obviously, that's the starting point. What did that uh, game in early November against the Seahawks? Do you remember that one very much? I know John did and John referenced that at your press conference and maybe yeah. different memories between you and him. <laughs> Do you remember that game and, and studying this team and now sitting in the seat you're sitting in as the head coach? Could you have ever imagined then that you would be in this seat today? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously every game is really important. Seattle was playing really well coming into that game, so that was that was a big one, um, having them in Baltimore. Um, and, I mean, they, they we got really good players here. I mean, I remember that. I mean, it's just we our the Ravens defense that day we played really well mm-hmm. um and uh I think that's I think talking to some of the guys on offense so far they like that's what they spoke to was like the cohesiveness of how we play on defense so I'm looking forward to building that here but um yeah I remember the game of course but at, at the, and at the time Brock like you you're you're just I mean you know how it is in the league you're just it's a one week at a time I mean you're not thinking about being a head coach I mean you're just trying to trying to win that game and, and putting everything you can possibly do from week to week and, and, you know, to be successful. And then that was the mentality, you know, that week. You mentioned uh, some of the guys you've had a chance to talk to so far. What have those conversations been like? Who have you spoken with? Yeah. So we're working our way through the guys slowly, but surely, but, um, I, but right now the quarterbacks, you know, Drew and Gina have been the main guys we've talked to and then we're working our way through now. But I just, my message to the guys has just been, Hey, look, be patient. We're trying to spend a lot of time, you know, I'm on a lot of Zooms right now, a lot of phone calls with coaches and stuff. So, um, but we're setting some time, some some time out each day to to talk to call the guys and and kind of catch up with those guys. Was the British speaking? Was that the overwhelming move with your D coordinator? The fact that he could yeah, speak that was so that was the driving force. That was actually as soon as I heard Aiden Aiden talk, I knew that was the guy. You know, <laughs> you, <laughs> don't, was, you don't we, hear a ton of British accents. I know. I was surprised. Game. I was surprised. I was surprised. I thought we were going to go to a Sounders game when he started talking about football, <laughs> but. Uh, but you, yeah. got, you don't have a, a history together, right? I mean, this is sort of bringing somebody in that you don't know all that well. Well, you know, it's. Um, I think it speaks to the process that we that we came in with the mentality we had about trying to find the best people with you know with the just with the personality and the mindset that we're looking for and the track record and and um, Aiden became in highly highly recommended and um, became got on our interview list and and knocked it out of the park when we first sat down and I said, and just listening to him talk about how he sees the game uh, was very similar to how I saw it in terms of what you needed to do to be able to defend offenses um, these days. And, and he had some really interesting perspectives. So we felt like, shoot, we got to get this guy here in person, brought him in, did a great job. 
and uh, and it just kind of took off from there. So I'm really excited to work with him, and uh, he's coming in town here and uh, later on today, actually. So we're excited to sit down and start building the staff out. How did Leslie Frazier come into the fold? Oh, that he's um, just I work with Leslie back in Baltimore, I think in 2016 and 20. 2015, 2016, maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, so I've had a relationship with with Les for a long time, and obviously he's got an incredible track record in the NFL, uh, being a head coach, um, high powered defenses, being on the Bears '85 team. I mean, just um, so much wealth of knowledge, you know. So I have so much respect for him, uh, both in what he knows football wise, and also just his character. And so uh, he's going to be a massive resource for us, and as me, and me personally navigating it being a first-time head coach he's kind of been through the wars you can see around the corners and uh he's been a he's been a great help so far but we're, we're working on this thing as a great partnership between him and i and um just really respect less i'm just i'm really happy that he decided to join us we got a text message here who says i'm a cpa don't worry no offense taken so they're <laughs> the accountants out there are okay with you yeah i appreciate that uh, uh we're talking to coach mike mcdonald and and i'll admit this is a little surreal i mean brock and i have been hosting this show for the better part of 15 years and for 14 of them we sat across the table from one coach you come into the building following that coach and the ghosts are everywhere and his influence upon this building is so strong. How do you, how do you respect that while still putting your own brand and stamp on things like the basketball hoop that's out there yeah. or we the music to do the hoop yet. Yeah. Right. The music at, at, uh, at training camp, how, how will you handle all of that stuff? Yeah. You know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not intimidated by, by that. It's just, I, it's not, something that I'm, I'm worried about. It's something that you want to embrace. I mean, like I spoke to in our press conference, I mean, you think about the Seattle Seahawks, it's kind of, I mean, it's, you, you can't not think about, you know, coach Carroll in that, in that regard. And um, you have to have respect for what they've been able to do here in the last 15 years. Um, so I think you're looking at building upon the foundation that they, and not trying to reset it. I mean, that's, that just makes sense to me, you know, and they've done a lot of great things here. And I think, um, how, okay, so how do you approach it? Well, I mean, my philosophy. So it's going to be core to us and uh, and how we want to operate. And I think you stay true to, to who I am as a person and as a leader and as a coach. And uh, and that will start to like kind of manifest itself in terms of the personality of the team. And uh, and, and, and I think we're just going to – you go in with the mentality of, hey, let's do it. what's best for, for the Seahawks and the, who the guys ha- we have and where we want to go. But um, – and, and – the, the kind of the remnants of Coach Carroll's legacy here. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like, we're not trying to shy away. We want that. We want to be around that. You know, we want to build around that. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to kind of work through that and see where and see where it takes us. And right alongside, I, I can't help but think of a Jim Harbaugh and a John Harbaugh. Right, and Pete had his background <laughs> with those guys and those yeah. battles in this division and everything else. I'm just curious as now you sit as the head coach, and I know it's only been a couple of weeks, what do you feel like is the biggest imprint that the Harbaugh's made on you? Man, um, it's, 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 uh, I mean, it's a lot of who I am, Brock. It really is. I mean, that's been my experience the last 10 years, you know, I mean, these, I've really been shaped through those two organizations, but the big, the biggest thing that I is, is there's, there's no other, there's no alter agenda with those two, with, with John and Jim. They're as real as it gets. And, the players realize that that their motive is what's best for the team and what's best for the players and what 
and they have their players' backs, and they're ready to go to war with those guys. You know, yeah. I mean, they're, they're an ultimate. Talk about ultimate competitors. And so I have the same mentality. I mean, it's 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 through the lens of what's best for the team, what's best for the players, and uh, and we're going to build it that way rather mm-hmm. than just you know being you know stubborn and see what what's be- what Mike McDonald thinks. All yeah, the time. I think that's what really struck me. And and you and I, I think a couple times had production meetings in your one year in Michigan there, and it just struck me that I don't think people realize how much Jim is a player's coach, right? You see, you know, the, the press conferences and everything else and, and, and John as well, that they just love their players. And when you were there for just that one year, I know I felt it. I know you felt it when we talked about it then. Do you feel like you will bring that kind of same emphasis, emphasis and impetus that it is going to be about these players? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it, the game's always been about the players always will be. I mean, I think when you're in it with them every day, Brock, and you realize what these guys do on a day-to-day basis, you can't help but have massive respect for what this job entails and how competitive it is and how tough it is to be successful. And that's why we take this job so seriously. You know, That's why we spend so much time trying to put them in a position to be successful. And when, and when they are, that's why it's so rewarding because you realize how difficult it is. But absolutely. I mean, everything. And I, I said in our press conference, all of our decisions will be driven for what's best for the guys and what's best for the team. I mean – I mean, to me, it's like that's like the ultimate. That's like the all-time no-brainer. How could you not think that way? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, we'll, we'll we'll build it around them. Coach, we got about three, four minutes here, and we spent a lot of time talking football. And hopefully, we'll have more opportunities to do that with you into the future. But I was hoping we could take just a couple of minutes and just hear a little bit about who you are, okay. who, how you grew up, or how you end up here. Yeah. I know you were born in Massachusetts, moved to Georgia. You talked about your parents uh, really, really fondly in your press conference a week or so ago. What did your parents do? Why did they move from Massachusetts to Georgia? How did all that happen? Yeah, so my dad's a West Point grad, and uh, so, you know, he bounced around a little bit. He was in Germany after uh, graduating, but then we all all of our family was from the Northeast. Mm. He ended up taking a job with AT&T. And we moved to Georgia, so we got moved down there. But, yeah, it's funny. I actually took that job like a couple months later. I ended up switching jobs once we moved down to Georgia. But I had a great childhood. I mean, played a bunch of sports down there in Atlanta. I was better at baseball than I was at football. I tell people I retired, you know, in, in high school playing football because I wasn't any good. But, catcher? Uh, <laughs> Are you a catcher? No, I was, I was a middle infielder in okay. baseball, yeah. But, um, yeah, I just, you know – I, I love the game of football, man. Like my dad, he, he would vid, he'd video the, our games when I was a kid in high school, and I'd come back to my high school coach with a bunch of notes and stuff. And my high school coach would just roll his eyes, you know, like, who's this guy? You know, I thought I invented power, you know, back then. But uh, that was me, you know. And it, and I just I loved finding those, like those trying to find those edges. It was just that was something that appealed to me. And then you know, being able to coach high school football, that's kind of when it clicked for me, like what actual what coaching actually was was impacting, you know, kids and bringing them, bringing them along and taking them from A to B and, uh, and seeing them grow. And then and that's what really got me hooked. You mentioned your wife a couple of times. There was a lot of we in your, in your press conference, which was cool. How did you guys meet? And tell me just a moment or two about her. Yeah, she's awesome. So we met in Baltimore. Uh, she was cheering for the Ravens at the time. So we, Baltimore rules, you can't date cheerleaders, it's coach or whatever, but that, that was more on her side. So we, we, uh, What's that, Brock? Oh, uh, we got an afternoon host who did the same thing as a player there for the Seahawks, so he's going to love that story. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, so um, after the season ended, we, we started dating, and, and uh, the rest is history. But she's awesome. She um, She's super talented, obviously a cheerleader, and all, but really real talent. It's like she's a great singer. Hmm. And so she uh, she sings in a band for a 
our, our church back in back in Baltimore. So uh, any churches out there that need a need a singer? She were uh, Brock's your guy. Brock could be right. Yeah, you got a free agent on the market. Yeah, eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. That's text line. Go ahead and text, text in right some now. thoughts on that. Yeah. So yeah, she's super talented, and it's and uh, she, I mean, she's my best friend. You know, so we just and we're going through this thing together, and um, I just you know, she's in Baltimore right now, so I can't wait to get her back up back up to Seattle. <laughs> You don't have hours. I mean, how many hours a day are we working right now? I'm like, you're in there 17, 18 hours, right? That's why, yeah, it's just like, you know, I'm like, just stay there. Let's let's make it a smooth transition. I'm going to be working, you know, let's let's not let's not go crazy here. I guess last football question I'll ask you, and, and maybe it's too early to answer this, but you've got some decisions coming up really even within the next couple of days. Yep. How much turnover do you expect on this roster before you coach your first game next year? I, I, you know, I don't know if I can answer that. I mean, um, that's something that John and I were working through, and uh, I know there's some decisions that we got to make here, you know, pretty soon. But um, yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, it's something. I'm not going in with the mentality of, hey, let's flip this whole thing over. We're not. I, I don't think that's the mentality. It's more of an open mind. What's best for the team? Obviously, John's handling it on the personnel side, but uh, we'll we'll be uh, tag team through that whole process. Well, I sure appreciate it. As uh, we kind of suspected, Salk, this time is going to go too fast. Yes. So hopefully yeah. we can. That was 30 uh, minutes? Yeah, 25. Pretty, pretty darn okay, 25 yeah. minutes. So it wasn't terrible, was it? No, that was awesome, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we'll get some more opportunities to do it again. We really appreciate it. It was nice to get to meet you, you got get it. to know you a little bit. Brock, I can't believe you went 25 minutes and didn't ask him about his workout routine. Yeah. That's something we'll, well have to Well, you called him a catcher, so that, you know, that kind of was kind of so <laughs> I don't know if that start. was good. I was like, <laughs> well, I was looking at the forearms. You kind of have right. baseball forearms. Right. right. That's yeah. interesting. That's an interesting observation. I don't get it's that a, off. It's a compliment. Okay, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> How much time do you spend in a gym every day? Uh, I haven't, not as much as I should in the last couple of weeks. I know, I know some of the folks that I've seen in the morning, they've been asking where I've been last, you know, last few days, but I'll be back in there. All right. Pretty good coach. Thank you so much. It was nice to get to meet you. There's coach Mike McDonald. We got to get out of here and pave way for bump and Stacy coming up next. We'll catch you guys tomorrow morning, 6am until then, Brock, the hay Oh, he's in the barn. See you, everybody. Get to the chopper.